Okay, so in your notes, uh, the posture of preaching or teaching the Word of God. Okay, so just uh, there is a posture or a position. There is a posture or a position that we are to preach or teach the Word of God from. How many people knew that existed? Ah, there you go. Hey, you were listening. Hey, you were listening. Didn't have your headphones on all the time. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Because so often we think, oh, we just give it a go. You know, just give it a go. Just have a read and get up there and say something. No, there is a posture and a position that we are to come into. It's called a living, breathing posture. Where did Jesus say understanding starts? In the heart. So Jesus took upon himself to teach, understanding starts in the heart of man. What's the heart symbolic of? Symbolic of, sorry, not symbolic, symbolic. The spirit. So understanding starts in the spirit realm. So understanding in the heart, which is the spirit realm. So we are to preach from the revealed position of the spirit that's the posture in which all articulation of the word must come from the spirit because understanding starts in the spirit, which means the hearer must hear where? From the spirit. What happens if the hearer doesn't hear from the spirit? We have misunderstanding. So the person who's speaking the word must be speaking from the spirit because they understand understanding starts in the heart or the spirit which means the hearer must hear from that place. That's how you have the same kind hearing the word. Kind matches kind. When spirit and flesh collide, what do you have? Opposition. So if one person is preaching from the spirit, but the hearer is hearing from the flesh, you have a clash of kingdoms. You have the kingdom of light, wisdom of light, and the wisdom of darkness colliding. Yes, we can have the wisdom of darkness. That's what James says, because we're still hearing, trying to understand from where? Your unrenewed mind. So this is, what the, this is the operating system of the world. The world teaches you can understand in your mind. Who gave us our minds? God. But our minds, without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, are defunct. So if we try and understand in the mind first without the revelation, that's why we get all messed up, all jungled up, and we go, oh, that was confusing. I didn't understand the thing. No, because understanding starts in the spirit, and the person who was speaking came from the spirit realm and delivered a spirit message. That's why you see the apostle Paul saying, I'm not a man of persuasive words. See, your role when whoever's speaking, because as Sandra said last week, I've said to the guys, Whoever's speaking needs to speak a living word, a spirit-led word. You've gone somewhere in God, been found in God, and God has either revealed it to you and in you, or he's spoken it to you directly. That's the posture and the position that one comes to bring the word of the Lord, because it's living, active, it's got a breath, it's got power. So here's the thing, and I hope you can hear what I'm about to say. Don't try to understand what I say ever through your mind because we're going to clash. If you try and understand me through the mind, if the mind has not been renewed to what I'm saying, you won't understand what I say. So try to put that understanding aside and receive it in your spirit. Because it's a living word. It's not a word of persuasive words. It's not from that realm, even though Paul said, I'm a man who preaches mature words that the mature hear. Jesus said, you don't understand because you can't hear the word because you're trying to hear through the faulty filter. Can you hear what I'm saying? So this is the position that we need to come into. So when spirit speaks to spirit, there's a yes and an amen and a oneness. Because blue is blue and red is red. But I might say blue, but you hear red. 
And that's where confusion lies. Paul was a man who spoke from the posture of the Spirit. He never used to be. He came through a transition and learned the true preaching of the Word of God, the true realm that the Word brings, and it has life, the realm that Jesus brought with him. See, it's foolishness to man. It's a stumbling block to most. Why? Because they don't know of this position because it's a revealed position in Christ. So you can, in a moment in time, get a revelation in your spirit which hits your mind. All of a sudden, now you get it all at once. Bingo, I hear exactly what you're saying. That happened to me in 1997 when I received the Lord. My mind was renewed, my spirit got it in a heartbeat, and I had knowledge of the Word of God that I'd never read. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Well, I do know how it happened. It happened through the power of God. It had nothing to do with me. So in a moment, I got... Spirit hit me. The word came. Mind got renewed all at the same time. I could talk from it. And it had power and life. I'm not a man, Paul said, of persuasive words. I'm a man of power and demonstration, meaning his life was the demonstration of God's power. Then he lived. That's why when he touched stuff, when he spoke stuff, when he laid hands, people got healed. Things started to happen. People got upset because it's a living word that's being proclaimed into the atmosphere and if the flesh hears it, it doesn't like it because it requires much. And the flesh knows and the flesh is trying to live. But if the spirit hears it, it loves it. It doesn't matter how hard it is, it loves it. Why? Because there's no offense in the spirit. So the posture that one must speak from is this posture of the spirit because the one knows understanding starts in the spirit. It's the position of Christ. I often wonder how much preaching would take place if that was the filter in which it was actually put through. Everything else, apart from that, is dead. It has no life. I'm not interested in information. I'm interested in revealed truth. And I want someone to bring me a revealed position because they've been found in God and God has revealed it within them or he speaks directly through them because that's what's going to change me if I have the hearing, the ability to hear and receive it. Faith, which is the ability to see, is going to happen. So we don't want to settle for anything less than that because anything less than that is futile. It's just information with nice words. It sounds good. It's painted nice, but it's powerless. You see, the Bible says you're always learning, but you're never coming to what? The true knowledge of God. Why do you think that is? Because your understanding, your filter, your operation is defunct. It's messed up. It's of the flesh. Flesh loves flesh because it puffs itself up. And you and I are of flesh and spirit, are we not? And the flesh must override, sorry, the spirit must override the flesh. Otherwise, we're going to hear continuously from the flesh, which means, well, under me, I don't understand anything that Simnor says. There's a reason why. Look, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but what I have guaranteed you guys is I will only speak what's living. So I won't speak of anything that has not been done in me. And this is the same words Paul said. But I understand why there's opposition. I understand why there's confliction because... If we don't have the ability to hear, we hear the wrong thing. I've had this said all the time. Oh, he said that. I didn't say that at all. Yeah, no, you said that. I didn't say that. Yes, no, I didn't. This is what I said. No, you didn't. And you end up in this sort of two-way argument thing. And the Bible is very clear why it happens. It's because either the person speaking isn't speaking from this place, or the person hearing is not hearing from this place, or one is and one's not. But when they both align and become one, that's where the power is to build the church. So there is a position and a posture in which we are to speak from. It's called a well and a funnel. And we're going to look at both of those. From the position of the wellspring of life that's within you, or through a funnel when the Holy Spirit speaks directly through you. Okay? So let's have a look at Romans 15 in your notes, 18, because this is the great Apostle Paul. He knew what he was talking about. He said, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished where? Through me, resulting in what? The obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. 
this is a powerful, powerful statement that every preacher of the gospel needs to come into. I'm not going to presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles. See, when a living word is proclaimed, it causes a reaction, good and bad. Sometimes we think, oh, it's all going to be good if the word gets proclaimed. No, it's not. Sometimes it gets real bad. They kill you for preaching the word. That's what happened to Jesus, didn't it? And yet a whole lot of people loved him. Doesn't the Bible say that for some you're going to be a aroma of life and at others you're going to be an aroma of death? But you're already dead, so that's okay. So even if they try and kill you, you're a dead man walking, speaking words of life. So it doesn't matter because you're already dead, aren't you? So why are you still upset when people persecute you? Because you're still living. Him realize you're a dead man walking, but alive in Christ, but dead to self. And the, he's saying, I only will speak, only will speak what has been revealed in me and through me, because that is the only thing I know is of the Father. I don't want to misrepresent God, do you? I don't want to take his word and create my version of it and then teach it, do you? I don't want to misrepresent him. That's why it says handle the word carefully. What I say, I want to be as if Jesus was standing right beside me and he'd say the same thing. He'd probably say it more eloquently. He'd probably say it with a bit more pizzazz. But ultimately, we'd say the same thing. You go, there's oneness. They're saying the same thing. Said differently, but it's the same thing. So I don't want to misrepresent my father. I want what's coming out of my mouth to be what would come out of his mouth, so then that's the word that sets the church free. You don't need to know what I think about stuff. We need to know what he thinks about everything. Jesus said, I'm not here to teach my, my teaching. It's my father's teaching, which means we need to know the father's teaching if we're going to teach the father's teaching, aren't we? This is why we need to be in this posture and this position of the spirit because that's where it all takes place from. Anything outside of that, and it's from the flesh, and that's got nothingness on it. It'll puff a church up. It'll have it believing it's in something. But you know what that church never can do? Live it. We have all the right answers, but we can't live as righteously. Oh, let me tell you about that. Let me tell you about that. Let me tell you about that. Let me show you this before I tell you this. I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm not going to preach what I practice. You're going to see the demonstration of it before it comes out of one's mouth. Why? So then you know it's living. It's active. There's a testimony right in front of you of something and the capacity to live out to the measure that the speaker is in. It's the only thing that has life on it. And yet we're very comfortable just teaching anything and studying and, and going and looking at all the all the different dictionaries and all the different this and the that and the Hebrew and the Greek, and we present this beautifully articulated informational document. It's just got no oomph for life on it because it's come from an unrenewed mind place, not a living renewed mind place. And how many people know you can tell the difference? If you put the two beside one another, you'll go, what was that? It's They said exactly the same stuff, but there was a difference, and I don't know what it is, but I do know what it is, but I don't. Your spirit is registering going, that, I didn't understand anything, but man, it moved me. That, I understood, but I'm not moved to do anything. See, I don't want you firstly to understand in your mind. You know what I want from my preaching? I want you to seek the Lord. That's my intent as a first place priority, that you would be stirred either way, to go seek the Lord and go, is that guy nuts? Is he off his head? Because the only way you're going to know is if you go to the Lord. Is he preaching garbage or is he preaching the truth? So I firstly hope you don't understand me. I want you to start seeking him. I hope there's something that comes out that's power that's released. There's an impartation that causes you to go, Man, what was that? Okay? So this is why there's 
things happen. This is why there can be clashes between us, meaning not just me, anyone else. There can be this misunderstanding, this like, because we're trying to land the plane on a runway that's actually the wrong runway. And Paul understood all this. That's why he talks about false knowledge and true knowledge. And he prays, he says, I hope that through love your knowledge will increase and abound in the real stuff. So then when you speak, you only will speak from this place because it's the only thing that's got life on it. It's a true testimony. And that's what a testimony is. It's a testifying to the work that's been done in you. And that work can be unlimited. So we are to bring testimonies of revealed truth to the earth, to one another. Let me tell you about the living testimony I have in Christ. And Jay does the same thing to me. It becomes this massive banquet. It becomes this feast that we feast on. And there's so much food to go around, it never runs out. Why? Because God's not a God who's capped. He says, you can know it all. How much do you want to know? But you have to come into the process. And so if you're going to teach, teach from the posture and the position of the Spirit, because that's where understanding starts. Look what the word presume means, to suppose that something is true. For I will not suppose that something is true, to speak of anything. No, I'm only going to speak of what I know is true because it has been revealed. Isn't that a safeguard that God gives us? So his word goes out the way he intended it. It's beautiful, isn't it? He always protects us from ourselves. Don't fight the goad. Surrender to it. Don't fight his way. Surrender to his way and you'll come into his life. So let's in your notes, it says then, Paul would not speak of anything that God had not revealed in and through him. He would only speak of what Christ has accomplished in and through him, and we are to be no different. Paul would not speak of anything that God had not revealed in and through him. He would only speak of what Christ had accomplished in and through him, and we are to be no different. You see multitude of scriptures that speak to that, especially in 1 Corinthians. It's massive. I'm only going to speak of Christ, Christ crucified. Do you think that's all he had up his sleeve? No, he knew at Christ, Christ crucified is where the life all was. He knew the gospel, what the gospel really was, not the articulation of words, the proclamation. He knew it was the work that was accomplished at the cross that he'd received. So he says, at Christ, Christ crucified, I know that's where everything is found. That's where the knowledge of God is found, at Christ, Christ crucified. Death to life. I've got more in my belt than just that. But when I come to you, I don't come with persuasive words now. I come with power. I come with words that you may not understand. Your brain is trying to like, what? Trying to fit this in. It doesn't fit. The living word doesn't fit into an unrenewed mind. It only fits into a renewed mind by the power of the Spirit. That's frustrating, eh? No, it's beautiful. (laughs) It's frustratingly beautiful when you want to come to know him. But he says, you've got to come to know me my way. Hence, someone who is speaking this must speak the ways of God, not just the word of God. If those two things contradict, I'm leading you and whoever else up a garden path. There's only one way into truth, and it's his way, through his power, which is through the Spirit. Once again, that's the posture and the position that one must speak from. So Paul would not presume to speak as of anything that wasn't revealed in him. Why is this so important? Because it's the only a living word that causes change and transformation. Isn't that what we want? I think it's just in your notes, eh? So because it's only a living word that causes change, the truth will set you free. Isn't there a promise of abiding in the truth? You'll have much fruit. So the only word 
the only word that causes change and transformation is a living word from the place of the Spirit. Hence, the preacher must come from that place. Otherwise, we're just wasting time. I don't need to waste time, do you? Time's valuable, man. B, it's a reveal word that we know is his word and not our version of his word. Once again, as a speaker, I don't want to be preaching my version of the truth. There's too much of that that goes on. Too much of it goes on. See, this requires relationship. This requires pursuit. This requires you to be found in him. This requires you to actually leave all things and spend time with him. And he's so willing to teach us. He's so willing, as we heard, the Holy Spirit's our teacher. Is he your teacher? What's he showing you about himself and the Father and the Father's plans and the purposes that are now and eternal? See, there are testimonies through being taught that we are to come into, which literally just unanchors us from this earth and has us living these overcoming lives. It's only a living word that's going to do that. What did Paul say? I don't come in this persuasive word thing, so your faith doesn't rest on what I say. Your faith rests on the power of God. It's so simple, we miss it. We miss the simplicity because it's so profound, so we look for this other thing that's a lie, and we miss it because we go right past it. And yet God would say, come back, because this is a place and a posture in which we're all to live from. To be constantly speaking, receiving, receiving, speaking. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Is it hitting home a little bit? You'll know it when you're in it, because all of a sudden, three hours go by. It's like you're in conversation with people, and it's just feast after feast after feast. I shared this with these guys when they came around two weeks ago. It was like, I don't know what time we started, seven. Before we knew it, it was 10. Like, man, what was that? The pizza was rubbish compared to that. And it really was not that good, eh? <laughs> because it's spirit to spirit. It's living word. It's being spoken. It's being heard. It's being spoken. It's hurt. And it's two-way. It's never one way. It's to be two-way. It may start one way, but the point of it is to have two-way, two-way relationship with a whole body. But I'm telling you right now, and I can see it in some of us, it's challenging you right now, isn't it? It's challenging your understanding. But ask yourself this, have you come into the life of your understanding? Have you actually come into the life of what your operating system is or not? That's how you know it's a default operating system, because if there's not the life that's promised in his word, it's the wrong operating system, guys, which means there must be a surrender to the right operating system if you want the right life. We may know how to answer rightly, like the rich young ruler and the teacher, but what he couldn't do was live. Because we have found out when the pressure goes on and the test goes on to live it, you go, ah, sorry, see you later. Avoid it like the plague. No, that's not the sons of God. So there is a test and there is a pressure test that comes on. Can you feel the pressure? Can you feel a pressure test? Can you feel being in a vice? That was a word, a picture that came out in the Wednesday prayer. I think uh, Jane bought it, Danny added to it, and it was like God had put us in a vice and there was sandpaper going to work on people. Some needed a lot more work and it was, the sandpaper was a lot more raspy and some needed fine tuning. But see, when you're put in a vice, the one who's building puts something in a vice to hold it still. A.N. Stay here. Don't run away. Because it's easy just to run away, isn't it? And God will let you run away. Stay in the vice. The vice is love. But it's a challenge because, oh, I don't know if I really wanted that dealt with. But you're walking around in darkness. Don't you want to walk around in light? And this is what the word does. And this is why the word is so powerful. If someone is articulating, it will offend or it will bring life. It's not necessarily, it can be the one that's bringing it, but it's not necessarily. 
It could be the way the hearer is hearing it. Yeah? And we have to walk this tension out together. Because that's the only way you come into it, is you walk it out together. And you sort it out in the washing machine in love. And love covers a multitude of behavior that's not righteous. (laughs) Until it becomes righteous, yeah? All right. Cool. Let's move on. Um, We're only halfway through the notes. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to fly. You've got scriptures there. Okay, John 7, 14 to 18. Don't you love these words? Jesus not learned or educated, but he was. So in the learned, sorry, in that scripture, John seven fourteen to eighteen, the Pharisees say the Jews were astonished, saying, "How has this man become learned, having never been educated?" So Jesus answered and said to them, "My teaching is not mine, but His who sent me. If anyone is willing to do His will, he will know of the teaching, whether is it of God." or whether I speak from myself. He is laying it down real big here. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. Drawing people to yourself through the gifting you have been given. Not a good idea. Draw people to the Lord because that's where you want to be pointing people to is Christ, not yourself. So a true person who articulates will never, ever want people drawn to them. It may happen because the people do that. People attach themselves to people, but the person will always say, like Paul and John, why are you bound down to us? I'm the same as you. Look up. But people in the church, draw people to themselves, draw a crowd, draw followings. It's dangerous. So we need to have the discernment, don't we? And as Jesus is saying here, he's saying, if you want to know if it's my teaching, then go to my Father. I'm only the deliverer of my Father's teaching. If you're prepared to do the will of the Father, you will know. So there's a challenge right there, isn't it? That Jesus is throwing down to the Pharisees. And he's throwing down to us as well. Just under that says the words Paul writes are the expression or the description of the word that has been revealed in him. The words Paul writes are the expression or the description of the word that has been revealed in him. This is why it's not about understanding, firstly, the words. It's about knowing the posture in which the words have come from. Does that make sense? You'll only ever understand the words once you've come into the posture of where the words have come from. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. He's not saying try and copy my life. He's saying copy my process. He did not know the stuff he wrote about till he came into the posture that he came into. So he's trying to describe something that's living, active, that the Father has revealed in him and through him and that the Father has shown. He's trying to put English words to a reality of the Spirit. He's trying to bring spiritual understanding to spiritual people. It's really hard to do. It's not easy because you're trying to describe love. Describe love. Well, it's patient and it's kind and it's gentle, but it's more than that, isn't it? You've experienced this love that's unadulterated. It holds no. It's so freeing. It's like I'm free to choose it. I'm free not to. What is it? You get messed up. Try to put that in words. We try, which is right, but ultimately I could sing gubba dubba do, yabba hubba who. And if you're in the spirit, you're going, I know exactly what you're talking about. So we try to use, Paul's trying to use words to bring to light the word that he's in. That's why we need to hear the word that the words are describing and receive it, and that's when you come into life. That's like, whoa, what was that? That was the word of God. Oh, my goodness, that was the thing that built creation, wasn't it? Yes, that's the thing that healed and raised Lazarus. Yes, 
That's the thing that you receive, that they received the gospel, spun them around, dropped their idols, and started following the living God. See, the gospel is not the proclamation of what Jesus did. It's the work of what he did on the cross. It's the substance of his life that went down, rose again, and the power that comes in you. So you go, I received the gospel. Now let me tell you about the gospel. But we go, the gospel is the proclamation of what Jesus did, but we're not in the power of what Jesus did. See, the gospel is the substance. This is an example of what he's trying to say. You can't understand love. You have to receive love to understand love. What do you mean, Greg? What I just said. You can't learn love. You have to receive love through the power, and that will bring understanding. Then you're going to try to articulate it, and you'll be like, me. Well, it's sort of like this and sort of like that, but you're the recipient of it. So you're able then to love one another as Christ loves. Why? Because you received it. You didn't learn it, eh, Rodney? There is a capacity now within you, and that's the posture that you preach from. That's the posture. When I say preach, I don't mean stand like this. I mean you have one-on-one conversations. Preaching, the Word of God, teaching, discussion, dialogue, all the same thing for me. So whether it's one-on-one, one-in-four, one-in-twelve, one-in-seventy, one-in-a-thousand at a conference, all the same. Let the Word be seasoned, yes? In and out, let it dwell richly within you, yes? Let it come forth from the wellspring or through you like a funnel. (laughs) So cool. I need to take a breath. (laughs) Okay, in your notes, the goal is to receive the living word through the power of the Holy Spirit because understanding starts in the heart or the spirit first. So just recapping what I've said in about 50 million words. The goal is to receive the living word through the power of the Holy Spirit because understanding starts in the heart or the spirit first. If we attempt to understand the words written down intellectually through the mind first, we will never come into the life of the word. If we attempt to understand the words written down intellectually through the mind first, we will never come into the life of the word. If you want a scripture for that, John 5, 39 to 40. Who can tell me what was said there without going to your Bible? Who knows what John 5, 39 to 40 is? No? It involves Pharisees? No? No? No, it's related to what I've just read out. So if we attempt to understand the words, the scriptures, written down intellectually through the mind first, we will never come into the life of the word. Do you say Peter? No. No. You search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have eternal life, but you are unwilling to come to me. Powerful, isn't it? So you search the scriptures, you search the prophets, you search the, the Isaiah and all the things before, you search Moses' writing, which is right, but you're not searching them through the right searching operating system. It's like imagine having a computer and you're using the wrong program to try and find something about information. You've got the wrong stuff. You search the scriptures because you think. You think. I'm not saying not to think. So hear what I'm saying. We are called to be a thinking people, but don't think from the flesh. Think from the Spirit. You search scriptures because you think that in words you're going to find life, but I'm telling you the life's not in the words. The life is in the Word, and the Word brings forth the words. So you must come and find me. Me, the reality of truth, not Greg. Jesus, 
if you want to be in life, but he says you're unwilling. You're unwilling. Are we unwilling to come to him? Don't be unwilling. Be willing. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no loss in Christ, is there? He says, if you lose, you're fine. It's a great deal. <laughs> okay. That scripture we've said about always learning in 2 Timothy. Uh, have a read of Ephesians. No, I'm going to read this. This is actually really interesting. Sorry. So, so this I say and affirm together. This is Ephesians 4 at the bottom of the page together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, but you, Ephesians, you did not learn Christ in this way. How are you trying to come into truth? Through flesh and blood or through revelation of the Spirit? Flesh and blood did not reveal to you, Peter, that my Father, that I am the Messiah, it was not through the agency of man. It was through the agency of heaven. Man, John 3, 21, can only receive from heaven what the Father has for him. So he's saying here, these people, the Gentiles, you no longer walk. You were Gentiles. You're no longer walking like the Gentiles were in the futility of their mind, trying to understand it in that place first being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in them. The problem is we don't think we're ignorant. We all think we got it down. We all think we got all the knowledge in the world. We all think, I do. I know it. I'm right. Well, here's the test again. Have you got the life of being right? Because there's a life that we're coming into. Don't be excluded. Don't let your pride get in the way of maybe getting it wrong and then being afraid to turn and repent. And this is what he's saying to these guys. But you did not learn Christ this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lusts of deceit, and that you being renewed in the spirit of your mind, there it is, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Lust isn't looking at ABC or addictions and all that stuff. Lust is just self. Lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. It's just wanting your own way. That's what lust is. And it's destructive. It always wants its own way first. It can never love because it, when, when self isn't justified, when self isn't filled, it struggles. It goes looking for its pound of justice. But he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. For then you'll have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, you have the life of Christ. Like I shared this morning, you're no longer walking in darkness, but you're in the light of life. In your notes, the words that we speak are to be living words revealed within us or given to us by the Spirit. Okay, there's some scriptures you can take away and read. Just talking all about what I'm preaching. At the bottom, we are not to declare the Word of God if we can't declare the heart of God. We are not to declare the word of God if we can't declare the heart of God. If we don't know the heart of God, we will cut people to pieces with the word of God. The word is a what? 
sword. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts, it penetrates. So what he's saying or what I'm trying to say is that one that comes must come from the posture of grace. doesn't lose its power. I'm not saying it's powerless. It's very powerful. It can still cause tension. It still causes the sense because it happened to Christ. When Christ spoke, he was murdered for telling the truth, not for doing miracles. And he spoke in grace and truth. See, the fullness of truth, when we're in the flesh or trying to protect flesh, it doesn't like it. It hates it. The Bible says it's in opposition to it. So as one who's speaking, we must speak in grace and truth. But it's still powerful, and it still causes an effect, good and bad. Bad's not necessarily bad the way we think. I love in that movie, The Shack, and God says to that man, I think he or she, I can't remember whereabouts, but he says, you think my good is evil because you don't have my perspective. And that can be us. We so often think that God's good is evil. How can that? Because he's building a people. How could he put me because he's building a people? But that person did that, yeah, because he's building a people. But you don't understand the workplace I'm in, yeah, because he's put you there because he wants to build a person. I'm seeing this, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it, in, in my wife. I'm seeing my wife. She's been strategically placed in a work environment where she thought she was going into, which was going to be la-di-da and lovely, and it's been the furthest from that. But I've seen God do a work over the last two years. I'm telling you right now, Danny couldn't have stayed in the position she's in. She couldn't be there right now if she hadn't gone away with the Lord and stepped out of and into another realm of the Lord when he gave her that word four years ago. And I'm watching my wife now lead in an environment that would have crushed her two years ago. The personality types and the pressure and what's required would have spun her out. But it's testimony to the word, the living word that she's eating, hearing, digesting on. She's up at 5.30 every morning, even more than that, 4 o'clock sometimes. We've got such a good bed, I don't even know she's gone. I'm like, she's been up there for four hours, writing, reading, sharing with her discipleship group, sending out encouraging texts, living in a way that I haven't seen her live. Why? Because she's received the living word. And then it's seeing demonstrated in a workplace that would have spun her out, spat her out, Two years ago. It's testimony to the Word of God, which I'm so proud of in you, babe. That's awesome. The oneness that we have eh, is is so greater than what it ever has been. We're just more closer because of the Word. So our conversations are richer. Our ability to pray together is richer. Our love for one another and our kids is great. We're not perfect. And for you, it's greater. But we're a work in progress like we all are, amen? Um, how do I get into that? Anyway. Page six, we'll fly. Right, yeah, 629, going to real fly. Um, the word of God that we preach is to come from within us as a result of the living work that the word has accomplished in us. By his power. The word of God that we preach, that we share, that we dialogue about is to come from within us as a result of the living work that the word has accomplished in us by his power. Does that make sense? So Philippians 2.13 talks about the work that's done within us, God's pleasing, perfect will. So it's the power of the Spirit through the Word that does a work within a person that we speak from this position, and it's in us. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you guys are always polishing the outside of your cup and your your dish, but you're still a brood of vipers. You're still your tombs of death. You look good. You polish it up. As I was driving home, God just spoke this clearly. He said, you know, he said, Greg, he said, People know how to do religious ceremony really well. 
Relationship's another thing. We've been called for relationship, not religious ceremonies, religious tradition. We can just do religious ceremonies here. What do you mean by that, Greg? I mean singing songs. I mean putting money in a bucket, go on overseas, do all the things that good Christians do, and it's only religious ceremonies and it's lifeless. You can find a person who's in the Word who do those things and it's full of life. So I'm not saying those things are wrong. Of course, I express my love for God through song, through being quiet, through dance, through whatever means that you love to express your love for God. Maybe dance around in your undies like I was in Cambodia one night when he started speaking to me at 2 in the morning. It's amazing. Don't picture it. It was amazing. <laughs> Lost my track now. <laughs> what was I talking about? Religious ceremonies, because God wants life in us, coming out of us. I hope our reverence for God is not based on tradition, learnt by rote, but it's based on our knowledge of God, our understanding of God. It says that Noah built an ark because of the reverence of God. See, God was speaking to him about unseen things, and in reverence for the unseen things, he built an ark. That's powerful, isn't it? What's rain? Well, let me show you in the Spirit what's coming. So he opened up the realm of the Spirit and showed Noah what was coming upon the earth. And in reverence for what he saw in the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, he then went and built an ark. No one had seen an ark. What's this massive, const- what's that word? That no, was better than that. Monstrosity, yep, that you're building, man. And what does it say? He built it for the salvation of his, Sam, household. Are you building a life in Christ for the salvation of your household? Does your life reflect the life in Christ that your children, husband or wife, mums and dads, grandparents look at and go, wow. Because in reverence for what you're seeing, because understanding starts in the spirit. And I pray the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened so you can see what? The knowledge of God, the inheritance that is in the saints, and his power that brings us all into who we've truly been called to be. All right. Um, so the well posture, John four thirteen to 14 describes it. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. There's a promise. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Man, there's a promise to be realized, guys. Don't stop until that becomes your reality. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him, which is himself, he or she shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him or her will become in him or her a well of water springing up this eternal life, this eternal life source that's within this person. It's incredible. Never thirst. Why? Because of the water you're drinking. What was the prophecy Dave McCracken gave us when he came about eight years ago? It's in the booklet. Did he not say that God was raising up wells that were going to go to refresh dry ground? Because God's building a church that are a resource for other people. A well is a resource. A well is a place of refreshing. A well is a place where your thirst is quenched. And Jesus says, you drink of me because you're in this posture. You'll never thirst. You will have enough for you, others, and everyone you come into contact with. And you will never run dry. Because you've tapped into the realm of the Spirit. John 7, 38 is a similar 
promise. Colossians 3.16 is a similar promise. So it's a well. The word of God, number two, that we preach is to flow. So the word of God that we preach is to flow straight through us. It's the funnel posture. So think of a funnel. Think as you pour water down a funnel. If you're trying to take a large substance of something, put it back in a small bottle, put a funnel in it, pour all the water back in. You don't spill anything, and the substance finds its mark. So the Father wants us to be wells where water is continuously being produced. So the well is always full. Amazing. You're always full. You never have to go to the petrol station. You never have to worry about running out. You're just full. This is the life he's calling us into. It's a process. But are we getting fuller and fuller and fuller to the point where we're so full, it's bubbling over? And so you bubble over onto other people. So where you spread, speak from what comes up is from this wellspring of living Christ, living water that just gushes out. See, the hardest part is trying to take that and put it into a nugget form. Have grace for me. Have grace for yourself. When this is your reality, trying to bring it down where you're not a fire hydrant. Someone said to me about five years ago, man, you bring so much living water, but you're asking us to drink from a fire hydrant. Can you put it into a hose? I said, I'm trying. Please stick with me. It's really hard to switch off when he activates it, and it's like, everyone just drowned. (laughs) Oops, sorry. It's all right. I can do mouth to mouth. Cool. So I'm learning. Maybe slowly, but I'm learning. And in the funnel, and I found myself in this in, in Cambodia, where, and that's why, this, this is where this idea came from. I was just there, and I got up, and I just started to speak. And three hours went by. And I was just like, like this, and I was just like pointing, and this, 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 this. And I turned around, I was turning around, everyone was like, and I went, take a photo of that. And they all took photos. I said, no, I need to take a photo of that as well because that's not in me, but it's come through me. And they said to me, Pastor Greg, can we see your notes? And I turned around my iPad and had a blank page. And they were like, oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah, wow. How does that happen? And there's a realm and a reality that, God comes and he takes over and you know your mouth's moving and you know it's you. It's not void of you. It's coming out of you, but you know it's not you. It's amazing. And so we're to speak from this well posture, which is this bubbling up. The word of God richly dwells, okay, in and out of season. It's not good day, bad day. It's there whenever it's required for whatever the need is. And then it's coming through you. And I think the goal is to just be continue to be a well and have it come through you. And more of what comes through you, you grab and you ask the Spirit of God to reveal it within you. So then it now becomes a well. So it goes from a funnel to a well, a funnel to a well. So that builds your well up. And you become a wellspring that refreshes other people. And then you need the wisdom, like I'm discovering, on how you then deliver that where you don't kill everyone. So uh, Deuteronomy describes the funnel position. Mark 12, 36, David spoke in the Spirit, directly through the Spirit, just under that. In other words, we just become the vessel or the conduit, C-O-N-D-U-I-T, the vessel or the conduit, C-O-N-D-U-I-T, that God uses to release his truth. Example, but like a garden hose. We are to be operating from both positions. Operate from both positions. 
We might be growing in them. We may not have started, but just it's never one or the other. It's both and more. It's not about preaching any word, but it's about preaching or teaching a living word. This is what we are responsible for as communicators of the gospel or the truth. This living posture is called the testimony. You can put testimonies in if you want there. It's to be a continuous place. Of the gospel or truth. So we are to be operating from both positions. It's not about preaching any word, but it's about preaching the living word. This is what we are responsible for as communicators of the gospel. This living posture is called the testimony. People say, oh, that's a Rima word. Have you heard that saying? Oh, that's a Rima word. They're all Rima words. They're not, not to be Rima words. They're all to be living prophecy, proclamation of the truth that's yet to be revealed and come into. Okay? Revelation 12, 11, last page. And they overcame him, the adversary, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. That is in a very specific order for a very specific purpose. They overcame the adversary, because of what first? What he did at Calvary. Everything that you want to know and come into is found at the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the truth is found. The power of God is the gospel unto salvation. If we don't really know the blood of what he did through the work of what he did, then guess what? It's very hard to overcome the lies of the enemy. He has a field day with us because we don't know what was bought and paid for at Calvary because we haven't experienced it. Sure, we can rattle it off in our head because we have informational knowledge, but that's not enough when you step up against the adversary who knows the word. He has no authority. We have that, but he is powerful his schemes you need to know, otherwise he comes and messes with you. He sends you thoughts and you're like, oh, that's what I really am, aren't I? No, you're not. But see, if we don't know the work of the cross, not the words of the cross, the work of the cross, then we go into a battle naked. So then it then says the testimony. So from the work of the cross and receiving the cross continuously, what do you have? Ongoing testimonies, the word of the Lord to fight with. You actually have substance now. You have a sword that's active, sharper than a double-edged sword. You're able to go, eh, in you, Satan. You don't, actually. You just stand firm and you resist with your armor on. That's actually what the Bible says. You go, that's a lie. You're from the father of lies. I'm from the father of truth. I recognize that. Why? Because I know the blood of the lamb and I know what was bought and paid for because I know the work of the gospel. So I actually have a testimony, which is the living word of God. So I speak now to you. It's the word of God coming out, not the word of Greg. The word of God has power. You put him in his place and you just walk. And if you live in that, guess what you're not thinking about? The last one, which is what? They did not love their life even when faced with death. So the power of the gospel, the testimony realized by the church brings it to testimony. You're no longer thinking about you. You're no longer in love with you. You're in love with him. You've become the most dangerous ambassador on the planet. And we're all to be dangerous ambassadors as a body. And that is the position that we bring the living Word of God from. So that means we've got to wrestle for something, doesn't it? What do you reckon? There's got to be a wrestling with God. There's got to be a seeking of God. There's got to be found in God. It's an eternal place. It's a heavenly place where earth and heaven collide, where 
you're found and you ask and you seek and he comes and the Spirit of God comes. I've had at times where he's in the room and you don't want to like blink. And you say, teach me, show me, open up these living scriptures to me and in me that I may bring something of life and light to someone else that I meet in my day, in my workplace, in the supermarket, in the garage, in the education where I'm going, in my job. Father, I want a word of life, one word, one picture to bring. And just watch him dazzle you. He'll open up the whole book and you'll start seeing 10 dimensionally into the word. You'll start seeing eternal purpose. You'll start seeing, oh my goodness, this is who I am. Yes, son, this is who I've always created you to be. And no, oh, and this is happening within me. And so then when you come, you have a living reality. And the person knows it. There's so much difference between someone on the street trying to tell a story about someone they don't really know and someone that's telling a story of someone they know. And they have the life. Let me tell you about the change that Jesus has made in my life. Let me tell you about the peace. Let me tell you about the joy. Let me tell you about the love. Let me tell you about the healing. Let me tell you about his life being revealed in me. Not just there was this guy called Jesus who died and rose again and you're a sinner. And if you don't accept him, you're going to hell. Which one do you think is more attractive to a sinner who is going to hell that needs the gospel? The one that's talking about the life of the gospel. Yes, the living word, not a technical version of something Jesus did, which is accurate, but the work of what he did. For that is the power of God unto salvation for mankind. Preach from that place. If you're not there yet, because it's yet, Because he's going to take you there if you want to go there. You want to go there? He'll take you there. There are no favorites. There's just ones with favor, but there's no favorites. If you want to go there, he'll take you there. So then we've got to say, do I want to go there? And don't let fear get in the way of faith and freedom in Jesus. Amen? So let's talk about that. Um. Good, keep me on track. The well posture and the funnel posture are the revealed posture. The well posture and the funnel posture are the revealed posture. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, I build my people, my ecclesia. And let me just finish with that. And my ecclesia... The gates of Hades don't what? Pardon? Yeah, probably different words. Mine says overpower that church. So Jesus Christ builds you and I on the revelation of himself. And those people that are being built on the living word, the gates of Hades, the domain of hell, the flesh, the world, the enemy, everything from the kingdom of darkness, does not, he gives you a promise, does not overpower that church. So there's a promise and a half for you and I to get into the true building process because if he's building us the way he intends, our flesh, the world, and Satan have no foothold in our lives. That sounds like an overcoming church, doesn't it? That sounds like a church that has something to bring to people that are struggling. Why? Because we've gone through the squeeze. We've gone through the process. We've learned God, the ways of God, and we've come out the other end spotless, blameless, righteous, and knowing how to live righteously, which is the key to walk in the manner in which he walked. Amen? Have all discussion. And uh, I just want to pray into next week, okay? Be bold. Be courageous. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. I thank you, Father, that you give us opportunities and invitations to grow and to become more like you, to bring life and light into people's lives, in our own life firstly and into others' lives. So God, I pray that we would enter into this week with faith, expectation, excitement, and no pressure to perform. 
No pressure to perform. I thank you that there's no failure in you, only growth and opportunities to learn. Thank you, Lord, that Peter walked on a water. He experienced something that I haven't, and he grew and learnt from that. He was not a failure. He was a winner. Father, and I thank you that you're raising up people here that know you, know your ways, and will proclaim them in Jesus' name. Amen. Questions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so very quick, um, have a look in, in, in the you know in the notes in the back. Um, pray and ask the Holy Spirit for what the word is that He might want you to bring. There's sorry, there's themes there. Um, it's giving you some themes to help with that. So there's themes like love, faith. Uh, intimacy with God, the Father's heart. So ask him out of those things um, which one he would like you to bring. What we're trying to avoid is someone, you know, spending forever going into, oh, is it pre-trib and mid-trib and all these tribs, and I've got an agenda and I want to preach this and get this out there because you've got 15 minutes and it's about building you up and others up. So those are some awesome topics, themes in God that we could spend the time asking him. And then what we're going to do is is just break into small groups like this. So we'll do what we did with the prophetic night. So some of us will go away and there, and the person will have 15 minutes, maximum 15 minutes, just to share the things that God was showing them. Okay? So ask him to reveal from the scriptures what he wants you to say. doesn't have to be 15 minutes. It can be five minutes. It's not about length of time. It's about quality. You may bring five words and someone goes, whoa. Okay. Or you might be like me and bring 500 words, but within 15 minutes. Good luck. <laughs> okay. So have a read through that and then, um, you know, we'll have some time where we maybe share what we got and those sorts of things. So we're going to do it over two, possibly three weeks so everyone can have a turn. Awesome. And remember, enter it with faith. All right, cool. Um, So there's questions to go around, but also if you want to dialogue about anything that's said, the questions are just a guide for tonight, then do that.